as I said earlier, I really believe that it is a word for every single one of us. And I believe that even if you have got a desire in your heart to help people, to live out the calling that God has placed on your life, then this is also a word that I believe will equip you and that will help you as we make other disciples. Amen? Because who knows that is our assignment. It's not just for us to become the perfect disciple, but it's actually to make more disciples. Amen. And so if you were here for the last two weeks, I've been preaching about faith. Okay, and so last week we spoke about, you know, what can be a challenge for us to walk in faith. And one of the challenges is if we don't trust the Lord, if there's not a foundation of trust in our relationship with Him. And the week before we spoke about another hindrance in our walk of faith, and that was boldness. So when we, yes, we feel we want to do it, but we just like the boldness to take that step. And we looked at someone named Gideon, Gideon, and he was actually a very timid and fearful guy. And, you know, one of the things that actually as I was studying Gideon's life and as I looked at what the Lord did in his life, I realized that one of the problems that Gideon faced, one of the challenges that he faced, in addition to boldness, and probably a reason why he didn't have boldness, was it because he struggled in this area of identity. He struggled with the area of identity. And I believe one of the, and we see this in counseling, we see this in ministry, we see this, all of us can see it with people that you work with, you know, people that you engage with, people in your family. When we don't know what our identity is, in other words, when we don't know who we are, it really will be impossible for us to live out our God-given calling. It'll be impossible for us to get to the destiny that God has for us. If we don't know who we are and whose we are. And I believe it's at the core of many of the dysfunction we see in society today. Is because of lack of identity. And so it's actually, if you start to go and study this, it's actually huge. It's actually huge. And so this morning I want to talk about what is our real identity in Christ. Why do we need to understand our real identity in Christ? And you know, something that I thought was very interesting, I read it a little while ago, was identity theft. You know, because of lockdown, in the U.S., after the first year of lockdown, at the end of 2020, the United States Inland Revenue reported more than 700 billion U.S. dollars they lost unaccounted for because of identity theft. In other words, people steal your, you know, your passport, your, your ID, your names, your personal details to go and open up fake bank accounts, credit cards, to get money because of the high unemployment rate, because of what lockdown and you know, this whole pandemic has caused. 700 billion US dollars lost unaccounted for because of identity theft. Who's ever had their ID stolen or passport stolen or credit card stolen? And you receive a bank statement and you can tell someone has been in your bank account. Does that not send like fear into <laughs> your inner being? And I believe it's a huge issue. But for me, what is even worse is spiritual identity theft. Because in the natural, it's crazy. I mean, the, 
emotional toll that it takes on you when someone has stolen your identity. When someone goes and operates as you, not just even financial, and the pain and the drama to get that sorted out, you know, but the emotional toll it takes on you. And even, I even believe that you know, what we see these days on social media, how people hack other people's social accounts and people pose as you and they post, you know, horrific stuff on your profile or with a lot of church leaders, what they will do is they'll ask money on behalf of the preacher using their social media channels. So even your reputation is at stake. And the pain and the stress of trying to rescue your reputation after something like that has happened. But I believe the same is true with our spiritual identity. Do you know that the enemy has been going after your, stealing your identity since the day that you were born? In fact, even before you were born. Trying to steal your identity, trying to steal from you who you really are. Because he knows that if I can steal their identity, if I can conceal who they really are, in the spirit, it will actually alter the course of their destiny. And they will never reach their calling. They will never reach their potential. They'll never reach the place that God intended for them to go. So this is actually a huge, huge topic. One of the biggest assaults from the enemy on believers is the stealing of our spiritual identity. Because he knows that when we know who we are and whose we are, that nothing will be impossible for us. When, when we walk in our identity, when we walk in our authority, when we walk in our calling, the will of God will actually be established. The kingdom of God will actually advance. And that is what he fears the most. He fears you knowing who you are and walking in who God has called you to be. And the Bible says that we were created in God's image. Every single person was created in God's image. And when we find out who he is, we will know who we really are. And I can tell you this was one of the things that I really, really struggled with. And God is still working on our identity until the day that he comes back. We will always need more revelation of who Jesus is. I mean. But there was something huge for me. When that penny dropped, who God has really called me to be. And I honestly believe that I wouldn't be standing here today if I did not allow the Lord to show me where my identity was placed. Where it was missing the mark. Where it was rooted in the wrong stuff. And so I really want to encourage you today. Take notes. Zone into the Holy Spirit. Ask him to show you, Lord, if there is something in this message for me, please speak to my heart. Because often the Lord will speak to us in an environment like this, and then we need to go home and sit with him. And say, okay, Lord, unpack this for me. Strengthen me. Heal me. Show me who you call me to be. What say it were my? Amen. I mean, what is the definition of identity? The fact of being who or what a person is. The characteristics determining who someone is. 
a person's conception and expression of who they believe they are as it relates to self-image and self-esteem. And here's the thing that I often think we get confused about identity. We often link our identity to what we do. In other words, when you ask someone, hey, who are you? No, I'm a doctor. Okay, no, that's what you do. That's not who you are. Who are you really? Who do you see yourself to be when you look in the mirror? Because John 10.10 says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came so that we might have life and life to the full. Which actually means in the Greek, to abundance. So that the cup will overflow. And so what we see is that the enemy, and I know this was true for me. The enemy, all he has to do, and we're not glorifying him today. We're talking about the glory of Jesus giving us identity. But what the enemy wants to do is he just wants to whisper one thought, one idea, and get you to agree with it. And you just need to agree with one thought and one idea, and his job is done. He can move on to the next believer and the next believer and the next believer. And I really felt like as I was preparing that some of us are allowing the enemy to, or we're actually doing his work for him. Because we're agreeing with what he is saying over us. We're agreeing with the labels that he's caused the world or people to put over us. And so today I believe God wants to remove some labels over our hearts. Some labels of who we really are. He wants to actually put a new label on us. I want us to read this scripture in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. That's why I got confused earlier. If you've got your Bible, you can turn to 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. And the Apostle Paul is talking about when you go from that place of, even that song that we sang, when we go from that place of bondage and darkness and we go into the light. In other words, when we are born again, when we give our heart to Jesus. What is the spiritual process that's actually happening to us? This scripture describes it. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, everyone say in Christ. That means to be grafted in, to be joined to him by faith as Savior. He is a new creature. Another translation says a new creation, which means reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. And the old things, the previous moral and spiritual condition have passed away. Behold, new things have come because spiritual Awakening brings a new life. I think if we just want to park at this scripture for the rest of this year, it will change our lives. When we realize that the moment we gave our hearts to the Lord, the moment we became spiritually reborn, everything about our old nature changed. And this is where I see most believers get stuck. 
We must realize and get a revelation on this. How do we get revelation? How does information come from information to revelation in my heart? Meditation. In other words, I need to sit with the scripture. I need to speak it over, mull it over under my breath, talk about it, ask the Holy Spirit to break it open to me, to understand that I am a brand new creation. I still see the same old person in the mirror, but everything on the inside has changed. I just need to come into agreement and alignment with that. Amen? Now, that word new in the Greek actually means recently made, fresh, unused, unworn, a new kind, uncommon, unheard of. In other words, a new prototype, never before seen. You are a brand new prototype. Never before seen. So everything that God has given us in Christ, this is where identity comes in. When I am in Christ, everything that Christ has and that he's bestowing to me is inside of me in seed form. Okay? The Bible says every spiritual blessing, and we're going to look at that scripture, is inside of me in seed form. But now it needs the water to grow. And what I often see with believers is we don't see it in our life immediately, 24 hours after I gave my heart to the Lord. Why does everything still look the same? Why do I feel the same? We're so in tune with our feelings. Why do I feel the same? Why do I look the same? Why do I act the same? It's because the seeds need to be watered, which is the work of the Holy Spirit. Not the work of me trying to be a new creation. No, I am already a new creation. I need to water the seeds. In other words, I need to spend time in the Word of God. I need to build a friendship with the Holy Spirit, which means, yes, I need to invest time. I need to get quiet. I need to listen to praise and worship music. I need to be in a Bible-based church. And I know we all know this, but sometimes it's a good reminder there are seeds inside you and me, spiritual seeds that are still waiting to start to blossom, that are still waiting to develop roots and growth inside of us. But we are going to have to allow the Holy Spirit into every one of those areas to get those seeds to be watered. Does that make sense this morning? Amen. Paul continually spoke about, if you look in that passage, and then we're going to look at Ephesians later, Ephesians 1 and 2. If you want to understand identity in Christ, I want to actually recommend read through Ephesians 1 and 2. Read over it every day, every evening, and count how many times Paul uses the phrase, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Because all of those things we have in him but it's the work of the Holy Spirit to produce and to develop it in us. And if you look at how the enemy works, if you read through all of the Bible and you start with Adam and Eve, Eve had a great calling. She was called alongside of Adam to rule and reign in life. Amen? To rule and reign on the earth, to subdue the earth, 
and to produce mankind. So when the Lord gave her a command and he said to her, okay, do this, don't eat of that, don't do that, do this. The enemy came with one thought, one suggestion, did God really say? So a voice came, sowed doubt in her heart, and she went with it. She doubted God, as a result, disobeyed, and as a result, all of us were born into that disobedience. But look at the calling that God gave her. The same with Gideon. Gideon had this incredible calling to save a nation from oppression. And the Bible says that when the angel of the Lord came and spoke over him who he was, he didn't believe it because his identity was stuck in this place of, but I'm just the little weakest of my tribe. Who do you think told him that he's the the weakest and the least of his tribe? Just made up a new word, a brand new creation. Who told him that he was the least? Not the Lord. And that's how he saw himself. He looked at himself that way. And you know the way that we look at ourselves is the way that we will portray ourselves. And that will be the way that people look at us as well. And so the Lord came and the Lord said, that is not the label I put on you. I call you mighty warrior, man of valor. It doesn't matter what people has called you. It doesn't matter what the enemy has sowed over you. What matters is the creator is the one who defines me. No one else gets to define me. No one else. And then I look at Jesus. Jesus' calling was to save Humanity from the law of sin and death. And when he came and he went into the wilderness, the Bible says that the enemy came to tempt him. And the first thing the enemy sowed into Jesus' heart was, if you really are the son of God. He came to question his identity. But Jesus, the difference is Jesus knew who he was. Jesus didn't allow anyone else to define who he was. Jesus was defined by what the Father said about him. Jesus knew his identity. And when a voice came that questioned what he knew to be the truth about him, he was able to back it up with Scripture and say, that is not the truth, for it is written. For it is written. The truth of who you are is already written. The truth of who you and I are is in here. But sometimes we allow the voices of the outside to define us and to tell us who we are. And I find it interesting that, you know, when our real identity, where our identity is, when it is revealed. Because we all like to think that we know our identity is strong and it's built in Christ. But I've seen in my own life sometimes when there is a crisis situation, when that thing that unknowingly I've built my identity into is taken away, is not given to me, is not released over me, I realize, oops, in my crumble, in my stumble, in my breaking down, maybe I've placed my identity in that place. And I think 
what I've seen, what we've seen in counseling with people over the last year is a lot of people have been shaken in what their true identity is. Because everything that we've placed our identity in, whether it's position, whether it's title, whether it's resource, money, the stock markets, my job, whatever, and those things are taken away, suddenly I'm shaken to the core and I don't know how to cope with it. Because my identity has been misplaced. I've let circumstances or outside things determine or define who I am. Instead of Jesus defining who I am. And so sometimes it, this can be really, really deep. We do not even recognize, like when your credit card was stolen, maybe you don't even realize until you get a statement. And think, I did not go there. Vast my fault. Sometimes circumstances will reveal where we've placed our identity. And so I want to watch a quick little clip. As I was preparing, I shared with the team this morning, I had this picture in my spirit of labels over our hearts, labels over us. You know, things that people have spoken over us, circumstances have spoken over us, the enemy has spoken over us, that deep down inside, that is still what we see when we look in the mirror. When we go about our daily walk, that is the filter through which we view everything that we touch, every relationship that we are in, every encounter that we encounter, that is the filter through which we operate. And so I found this incredible clip on YouTube that was exactly what I had in mind. So it's two minutes long, so why don't we just watch this, Stefan? You can just maybe hit the lights for us. The world has a way of labeling people. Our enemy, Satan, has a roaring lion. He's on the prowl, convincing people his label is true and permanent. He seeks to defeat us either through shame at our label or pride in our label. But God provides for us a new identity. He calls us loved, forgiven, justified, accepted in Christ. He calls us by our names, and he calls us to himself. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid our sins in full. The redemption he offers is so much more than just erasing the sins of our past. It's also giving us a new identity, today and forever. Yes, Satan continues to battle. Christians and churches sometimes struggle. The courts and legislatures are attempting to redefine right and wrong. But the gospel changes lives. And it is only the gospel that can change lives. The world and the devil may want to label us, but it is the creator who gets to define and name his creation. You are not who the world says you are. You are who God says you are.
Amen. Just a powerful little visual. It is only the gospel that can change lives. It is only the gospel of Jesus Christ that can free us from these labels on the inside, these filters that we walk around with. And I'm telling you, even in our relationships personally, so not just even to get to your calling and your purpose, but even in relationships, when we sort out our identity, we will even have better relationships. We will have better relationships in our marriages, in our families, with our children. That is why it's so important that we speak about our children We did a series, I think it was last year actually, Who Am I? With the Kids Church. We've done it twice in two years. And do you know how many times the children, especially the older kids, I'm talking about the 7 to 12-year-olds, have shared with us labels that have been placed on them before the age of 7. Names that children call them. Teachers have said over them. Family members have said over them. And, you know, the power of the tongue, the power of words is so powerful. And that's why as parents, especially dads, if you're a dad here this morning, just know that your role to bring and establish identity in your children's hearts is probably one of your most important roles. Because the father establishes identity. Who my dad thinks I am, that is what I will be. And that is why the father is so passionate about that. Because not all of us had perfect parents. Not all of us had parents who understood their identity. And because they didn't understand their identity, they were not able to give us a healthy identity. But that is the good news of the gospel. Jesus said, even if no one had told you who you are, I want to define you. I want to tell you who you are. I want to tell you what I've called you to be. And it has nothing to do with what we do, but it has everything to do with who we are on the inside. Amen. So how do I know if I'm experiencing a spiritual identity crisis? Sometimes it's not always as obvious as it may seem. Some signs, and I've listed this in the U-Vision notes if you are taking notes. Some signs, when someone has no clear vision for their life, no clear purpose, they go from this place to that place. But they don't really know where they are. Okay? And you go and look for meaning and purpose in all sorts of things. And I used to be this person actually. I had absolutely no idea who I was, and therefore, I had no idea what I should do with my life. I remember even going to study public relations because my best friends went to go and study public relations. There was nothing else that I had an interest in. There was nothing that made me passionate. In fact, I questioned why was I even here? You know, what is the purpose? What is the meaning? And honestly, once I gave my heart to Jesus and the Lord started dealing with me about who he's called me to be, the fact that I'm loved, the fact that I'm accepted, all of those hurts in my heart started to heal. The rejection, the abandonment, the purposelessness. I'm telling you, I'm now so full of purpose, no one can stop me. 
Even the Lord has to speak very loudly before I can listen. Guy number two, when someone is not living a life of their potential, who knows people that you've seen them walk around, but you think to yourself, they've got so much more potential inside of them. So much more potential. That's often someone who doesn't quite know their identity. They don't believe that they are good enough. They don't believe that they've got what it takes. Amen? Who's met people that you speak to them and the way that they speak about themselves leaves you uncomfortable? They've got such a low self-esteem and they criticize and curse themselves with their own words more than any other person. That is someone that has a real struggle with identity. They don't know who they are. And oftentimes, like that clip said, that's the feeling of shame. But then sometimes we also can walk in a place of, of a lot of pride. So sometimes people who, you know, you meet someone at a conference and they call themselves, I am Dr. So-and-so. Nothing wrong if you want to call yourself. If you have a title, that's great. The problem is if the title has you. And I place my value and my identity in who people call me, in my achievements, in my title, in my position. And then what happens when that position is taken away? Suddenly, I've lost my identity. I don't know who I am. Even sometimes parents. Older parents, maybe your children, you've placed your whole life, your, your identity in this role of mother or father. And suddenly, your children leave the house. And you left wondering, who am I? Because I, I didn't identify or define myself anything other than mother or father. Actually, that's just a role. That's not your identity. Sometimes we place our sense of value and our sense of worth in a position or in a role or in a title or even a role or a title we want to be in, and then we don't get chosen. We're not picked for the promotion. Now suddenly we're back at that place of I'm not good enough. Because I place my value and my worth in the wrong thing. Another sign of someone that can maybe experiencing an identity crisis is someone that's emotionally all over the show. Constantly struggling with fear, constantly struggling with anxiety, constantly struggling with low self-esteem and unworthiness and hopelessness and depression. Sometimes we can find ourselves in an identity crisis where we are driven by people's affirmations. This is also something in the beginning that I really had to learn. Because who knows the love languages? Okay, love languages, my number one love language is words of affirmation. So that's fine, but the problem is when I rely too much on words of affirmation from people, I can base my value and my sense of worth on people's opinions. What happens if someone's opinion about me changes? Who's experienced this in leadership? Okay, you may be in the corporate world, one day your team thinks you are amazing, the next day, Yezi Pitts. 
if we rely as leaders on people's opinion about us and their affirmation, the moment that opinion changes, my identity goes crumbling. And the Lord really had to deal with me in this because I was a person, and I'm still like that, I want to be liked. Who doesn't want to be liked? Okay? No one likes it when people don't like you, but as leaders, you are going to have to make difficult decisions that are going to be very unpopular. Not everyone's going to like every decision that you make. But if my identity is in the right place, it will be okay. Won't necessarily be easy, but I won't crumble when people's opinion about me changes. Because people's opinions will always change. If you think about Jesus, the same people who shared about his miracles and who raved about him and this guy from Nazareth were the same people that shouted crucify him. Jesus wasn't driven in his identity by people's opinions or affirmations. Sometimes we can even be driven, build our identity on our achievements, on our grades, on our sporting achievements. Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's something I do outside of work. And, you know, now I, I post about something on social media and I'm just waiting to see what are people going to comment? How many likes am I going to get? And social media is a terrible revealer of identity when it's in the wrong place. Now, no one gave me a good boost on social media about this great achievement that I took the time to take a beautiful photo and to share. And niemand kom in the sticker. Okay, that could be a sign, identity, wrong place. Doesn't matter. Even sometimes when we struggle with addictions, maybe there are certain addictions that we're struggling to break off. Even, I'm not even just talking about, you know, addictions that we all know, but even something like workaholics. I'm so driven to work and to perform because my identity is based on that. When I am driven and I perform and I achieve all these things, then people will boost my worth and my self-esteem. And so that's another sign of a misplaced identity. But what is the good news this morning? Jesus says that, we are not in crisis, but we are in Christ. We have got an identity in Christ. And when we know our identity in Christ, it will set us free from bondage. When I know who I am in Christ, it will set me free to live according to my full potential, who he has called me to be. It will put me on the path of my destiny. It will empower me to live out my purpose. It will give me confidence to walk in faith. Remember, we've been speaking about walking in faith. It will empower me to walk in faith. It will empower me to hear the Lord's voice because I'm not driven by the other voices trying to tell me who I am. Trying to tell me what they think I should be doing with my life. This is the place I want to get us to this morning and remind us that we are not in crisis, but we are in Christ. And so I was like, Lord, well, how do we, how do we make sure that our identity is rooted in you? How do we make sure as believers in this ongoing journey, practically, I'm practical. Don't give me a hypothetical idea. Tell me how to get there. Tell me how to get to the end result. Lord, how do I make sure my identity is solid in you? And the first thing I really felt the Lord say to my heart is that, number one, recognize if my identity is misplaced. Because it could be like the credit card identity theft. 
I might not even realize someone has stolen my identity until I get the bank statement, until I see there's no money in the bank account, or until I see someone is posing as me on, on Facebook with filthy messages. I need to recognize. How do we recognize? Well, we will know when we go through crisis. When we react in a certain way when something bad happens to me, when people criticize me, when I lose my job, when I don't get a like or a comment. There are great revealers every day of where we place our identity. The question is just, will we take some time with the Holy Spirit to journey with Him? So if I find myself in a crisis situation, Lord, and I've done this, I've sat with the Holy Spirit, even recently, something happened and I was like, Lord, I don't understand this. Why am I reacting like this? I looked at my own reactions and thought, why is this thing upsetting me so much? And the Lord actually spoke to me and it had to do with people's opinion of me. And I had to repent and say, Lord, I am so sorry for actually be driven by someone's opinion. Because actually, that means I'm putting my worth and value really in what people think. And that's an unhealthy place because the reality is not everyone's going to like you all the time. It doesn't give us an excuse to be misbehaving. It just means that's the reality, especially when you are in leadership. If you are a parent, your kids are not going to love you all the time. You sometimes have to make very unpopular decisions because what is best for them. Amen. So have a Holy Spirit meeting with yourself. Lord, why am I reacting this way? If I experience failure, how do I react in that? If I'm not chosen for a position or a promotion, how do I react in that? If people have something to say about me and it's not true, how do I react towards that? And the Holy Spirit is the revealer that will show us. Number two, we need to learn how to become a child again. You know, the life of faith and the life of a Christian is actually just a child in obedience to the Father. That's it. That's it. That's Alexei and Phaedrus is dead. That's what the Lord calls us to. Father-child relationship. He wants to show us how much He loves us. He wants to give us an identity. He wants to heal us everywhere we hurt. And then He says, now and go and tell others what I've done for you. This when Phaedrus is dead. So why are we struggling so much sometimes? I don't know. But we need to learn how to become a child again. Our identity starts when we recognize that we are a child of God. We are adopted into sonship. And I want to read a scripture in Romans 8. This is a great chapter if you want to do a study on sonship. You know, we are a church that, that really wants to go out and do incredible things for the Lord. I mean, we want to know our authority and we want to go out and pray for the sick and heal the sick and raise the dead and do all these incredible things. But we will never be able to walk in that authority if we don't understand identity. Because that means that we will do everything from a place, not from knowing who we are and whose we are, but we will try and earn God's favor through works. We will try and earn God's favor through trying to do things instead of just receiving. 
being in that position of a son and a daughter is the most powerful position we can be in. And that's where the Lord wants us. So why don't we read Romans 8? Is your screen on? Romans 8, verse 15, and says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. That word sonship in the Greek says placing as a son. Because adopted sons and daughters, when we say sons, we mean daughters also. Adopted sons in that culture received the same benefits as the natural sons. In other words, they had the same access to the inheritance of the father than the natural sons. And that is what Jesus is saying is that when you are adopted into sonship, into being a child of the father, we are heirs of the father's estate. All those spiritual blessings that were given to Jesus is also given to us. That means everything Jesus is and the Father sees is also ours. And when we know that, when we really, really know that, and we start to meditate on that, half of our issues, if not all of it, will be resolved. And we can get actually on with the calling and the mission that God has called us. Because this is the place where we get stuck. We live like slaves instead of like sons. Ephesians 1 verse 3 to 5. This is an awesome, awesome scripture. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Everyone say, I am blessed. With every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Because we are united with Christ. Just stop there for a moment and think. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, you and I are blessed with. If that still sounds a little bit hypothetical, what does that mean? What does every spiritual blessing refer to? It sounds great, but if I can't define it, then what does it mean? That actually refers to every spiritual enrichment that you and I need to live a spiritual life in obedience to the Father. That is what it means. Every single thing that we need has already been given to us. We need to receive it by faith. Those are the seeds that I was talking about earlier. Oh, well, I don't have peace. Well, peace has already been given to you. You just need to access it by faith. Boldness has already been given to you. I just need to access it by faith. Confidence in who he made me to be is already given to me. Those things have all been given to us already. Verse 4. And even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. And God decided in advance. You are not an afterthought. In advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gives him great pleasure. 
Sometimes the enemy wants us to think that God doesn't approve of us. We're not good enough to be a child of God. On and on and on and on and on and on. The father decided before the beginning of time that we were worth it. That we were worth it. That it was worth sending his son to die. And I know we know this in our head. But we need to know it in here. Then we will live different lives. We will walk differently. We will talk differently. We will act differently. Because identity really does what? Identity actually dictates my behavior. Who I believe I am will dictate how I act. And so if I've got the wrong belief about who I am, I will continue to struggle with the things that I struggle with. Addictions will not be able to break. Different emotional reactions of fear and anxiety and hopelessness and depression will not break. Because I continue to hold on to labels that was never there for me to hold on to. And so I really believe that the Lord wants to rip off some labels this morning. We are called citizens of heaven. Your spiritual passport says citizen of heaven. No one can steal that passport and act on your identity. They can just tell you, you have got a different label in your passport. We need to remind ourselves that we are heavenly citizens. And number three, we need to meditate on who God says we are. And I'm almost done with the service. Some of you look like you could use another cup of coffee. I'm all help. Shalafak. Who else was awake at 3 a.m. praying for the service this morning? <laughs> okay, number three, we need to meditate on who God says we are. I am who he says I am. Okay, and I have done this again. I have done a list of 46 confessions and declarations. Marissa, you are over the top. No, I want to know my identity. Thank you very much. I don't have time to waste on earth. I don't have time to be busy with all sorts of nonsense. I'm here for the Father's business. That's what Jesus said. That's what I want to hear when he comes back. Well done, good and faithful servant. I Jesus is coming back soon. We've got a world to reach. We've got a broken world to heal. Okay, we've got the kingdom to establish. So what I've done, and I want you to SMS us on the WhatsApp number. And what did I do to get my identity rooted? And I'm still doing it. I'm actually starting again. I've already pasted it up onto my cupboard. Johannes will see when he comes back from Valfus Bay. We're back on identity. Okay, he can do it with me. And so, daily confessions of my identity in Christ. Do you know that those seeds inside of you will not just grow by itself? It's the same as agriculture. It needs water. It needs time. It needs effort. Okay? A geestelike leven is nie a leven nie. It really is not. 
You have got to have grit inside of you. There is a fight for your identity in the spiritual realm. There is a fight for your peace every day. There is a fight for your calling every single day. And we've got to learn how to, in faith, break through that resistance to get to where God has called us to be. And honestly, I'm going to tell you my purpose in life, my biggest thrill, and Johannes feels the same, is when I see someone starting to walk in the identity that God has for him. No money can buy that. No salary. I mean, I didn't even have a salary. No salary can do that for me. No Facebook like or comment or word of affirmation, as much as I love it, can do it for me. That, to me, makes me sleep at night and makes me go, do it again, Lord. Noch iemand, here. Stier noch iemand. You know, I was watching our team this morning. Marizan, she's in kids' church right now, okay, doing incredible work for the Lord. She stood there. Her and I had a conversation about this thing. She shared for the first time at our team meeting, and she shared with such conviction about the joy of serving. And you know, I stood there and I thought to myself, only Jesus can do this in our lives can take us from a place where we don't even want to open our mouth, but we step out into what He has for us. God has got an incredible plan for your life. Don't waste your life by not stepping into what He has for you. Daar is nie groter avontuur as die geloofsavontuur nie. Amen? And I know we are all people that live like that. But I want to encourage you to go even further. I want to encourage you to go even harder. Yes, the year is at its end, but God's kingdom is only advancing. Okay, so I can't wait for December vacation, but there is still work. There is still five Sundays left, and I'm excited because I'm like, Lord, do it again. One more person. Rip off the label, Lord. Tell them who they are. Lord, send us. Send them. I'm just excited about it. Anyone else? Okay. Thank you. Last scripture, and then I'm going to pray for some people. Ephesians 2 verse 10. I did better than last week. It says, Ephesians 2. Remember, this is the second chapter that I really want to encourage you to go and read. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So we can do the good things. But before we do the good things, we must first know who he created us to be. We are a masterpiece. It's actually okay to have confidence in who you are. It's not prideful. It's not, what is the Afrikaans word? Vindgat. But we need to have a holy confidence in who God calls us to be. Amen? We need to know that we are a masterpiece. Because some of us live lives like we are not that. And that is a lie. We're going to rip that band-aid off this morning. The purpose of our creation is to do the good works that God has planned for us long ago. That is our purpose. And so I want to remind you this morning as we get to the end, and I'm going to pray for some people, and I want to read some things off for you this morning. And I want you to close your eyes this morning and let it sink in. Even if you know it, trust the Lord for it to sink deeper, to go deeper. We can always go deeper. 
Amen. You are loved. You are forgiven. You are saved. You are free. You are blessed. You are chosen. You are worthy. You are powerful. You are strong. You can do this. You are beautiful. You are full of potential. You are a new creation. You are not your past. You are not who people say you are. You are not lost. You are not unworthy. You are not useless. You are not a failure. You are not a mistake. You are His. And this morning, I want to pray for a group of people and I want us to just bow our heads and close our eyes this morning to give people some privacy. But I really want to pray over you if you feel that deep inside there is still a label over you that you just struggle to get out of your head. Maybe you believe that deep down, actually, you are a failure. Or maybe you know that you are loved by Jesus, but you just don't believe that you're quite good enough. Maybe to do something for Him, or maybe to lead something, or maybe to be a great mom, or to be a great father. Whatever it is for you this morning, I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm just going to pray a corporate prayer. But if there is anything inside of you that you feel like, I feel like my identity in this area needs to shift from where it is currently to who I am in Christ, I want you to just raise your hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And this morning, as I pray, and we're going to do some declarations after this, but I want you to, to go and write it down. And when you go this week, go and sit with that Ephesians 1 and 2. And ask the Lord to show you instead of what you are feeling, instead of that label, who does He say you are? You don't need to hear it audibly. You can read it in the Scripture because that's a love letter written to you and to me. Every promise in there is for you and me. And Father, I thank you this morning for every person, every child of God in this room. Lord, I thank you that you died, Lord, to give us life. You died to give us a new identity. Lord, that we can go from that place of being rejected to accepted. That we can go from that place of darkness to light. Thank you that you chose each and every one of us before the foundations of this world. And that you've been preparing good works for us to do from even before we were born. Thank you that you've got an incredible purpose and a plan for every person in this room. Every one of our children downstairs, you've destined us for greatness. You've destined us, Lord, 
to be co-laborers of this kingdom of yours. And Lord, we are tired of labels being placed over us. We are tired of listening to the voices of this world, the voice of the enemy, the voice of anyone other than your voice telling us and defining us and telling us who we are. And today, Lord, we put a stake in the ground and we say today, no more. Today, we will only look to the word for our affirmation. Today, we will only look from today, we will only look to the word to tell us who we are, to the truth of who you've called us to be. And Lord, I want to break over every label that has been placed over every single child of God in this place. Whether it's rejection, whether it's failure, whether it's unworthiness, whether it's intelligence or lack thereof, whatever it is that people have called us, we break it today in the name of Jesus. Lord, we declare we are children of the Most High God. We declare today that we are valuable. We declare today that we are amazing. We are a masterpiece. We are a new creation in Christ. And Lord, we want to live our lives to the absolute full capacity and full potential that you have placed inside of us. So we ask, Holy Spirit, come and have a meeting with us this week. We will bring a notebook. You bring the truth. Come and tell us afresh who we are. Come and speak to us again, Lord, who you're calling us to be. And help us to internalize and get revelation on the truth of who you say that we are. We're done listening to the wrong voice. We want to walk in the fullness of what you have for us in Christ. And as we end, I want the team to just bring up that slide. We're going to declare this over our hearts this morning, and then we're going to end the service. And we'll send it on the WhatsApp group as well. But if you can see, maybe Stefan can just eat the lights for us if you can't see very clearly. I want you to read this with me this morning, but really say it from your heart because this is how things get from our head into our heart. I am alive with Christ. You can read with me. Free from the law of sin and death. I am born of God, adopted into his family. I am saved. I am free. I am blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. I have been chosen for a time such as this. I am a new creation in Christ. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. I am loved. Amen.